I'm still watching the movie, but my, my mind is spacing, racing at like a million miles an hour, right? So again, like even though I'm like living life and things are going on around me, my my thoughts are still going. I don't even have a reaction to this. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a thumbnail with a picture where it says, can black women and white women be true friends? Listen to this. I had to sit up, right? This is written by Perspective by Kim McLaren. March 19, 2019. Again, like I, excuse me, my reaction is I have no reaction. Listen to this. This is where I stopped. I was like, nah, I have to share this with the fam. Listen to this. It says, in the scene from Roots, and I never saw the movie, so, and I don't intend to ever see the movie. So it says, in the scene from Roots, I remember Missy Ann informs Kizzy that she is to become her property. Miss Ann the name itself is black shorthand for a white woman, a forerunner of Becky, and Kizzy have grown up together. Missy Ann has even secretly taught Kizzy to write and read. She is delighted at the prospect of becoming the legal owner of her friend. It's at this point I start to sit up in bed. I'm like, what the fuck? Delighted at the prospect of becoming the legal owner of her friend? What the fuck? So then it says, Kizzy is less so, right? Among other things, she doesn't want to leave her family, but she knows enough not to voice her displeasure. She faints and faints until Miss Anne demands an answer. And, you know, just off the top of that, too, I think that um, for us, like, melanin-rich women, I've talked about this before, myself included. Like, we're not really out here trying to be the most vocal. Like, we'll turn the other cheek. A lot of us were raised Christian, you know, and we'll try to be, like, super sweet, super nice, get along, extend the olive branch. But I think it's kind of cost us, and I think that this is why we need to advocate for ourselves. I think we are the last of a dying breed. But I don't think that our last day should be, you know, us not being able to to voice our displeasure. And I talked about it in the last podcast how you even have white women that are saying like, oh, um, these people who are out here calling out racism are being racist to white people. What? How? But I think it's because we're becoming more vocal. You know? Um, it's not that this stuff didn't happen before. I think we're calling them out. Like, you can't be going around just being, being doing like racist stuff our our parents, our ancestors put up with it, but we're not going to anymore. So then it says, then it says, Kizzy, don't you want to be my slave? The white woman pouts. Aren't you my friend? Y'all, like I said, I never seen the movie. What the fuck is this? Is this true? Does this really happen in the movie? The Anne lady asks Kizzy, don't you want to be my slave? And pouts, aren't you my friend? What the fuck? So generally speaking, it's not that I dislike white women. Generally speaking, it's that I do not trust them. Generally speaking, most black women don't. That's a big statement. Impossible to either prove or disprove. I make it based upon a lifetime of observation and study and also a highly unscientific survey of friends and friends of friends ranging in ages from 20 to well under over 60. Among the findings, this distrust or more precisely the absence of trust, mm, Seems to hold true whether or not the black woman has lived and worked mostly in predominantly white environments, whether or not she has any white female friends, whether or not she feels this absence as a loss. When I ask black women why they have so few white female friends, their answers range 
too much trouble. They don't see me. Seems like something about us just sticks in their craw, but seem to cluster around two major themes, power and invisibility. Y'all, this is deep. I'm, I, I need to process this. So I'm just going to read it and, um, Let's keep going. So it says, put simply, white women have power they will not share and to which they mostly will not admit, even when wielding it. Think about all the white women calling the police on black women and men for capital crimes, such as grilling near a lake, driving through a neighborhood, bumping a leg in an overcrowded plane. And, you know, um, for those of you who've been with me about a month ago, I was kind of joking about how I have I could have Karen tendencies, but the thing is it it doesn't even I could never be a Karen because uh even for those of you who caught it and this is why it's so it's okay for you to disagree with stuff too because sometimes I will say things and then afterwards I will process it and um still even analyze myself and like if it's true or not or if it holds water and after I I had uploaded it was about a week or so that had passed. And I was like, yeah, no, I couldn't be a Karen because I even talked about how, like, I will be neighborhood watch. I'm very careful of who's in my neighborhood and that type of a thing. Um, and, and I will ask, like, you know, do we have a problem type of a thing? Um, and, but I've never weaponized calling the police. And here's part of the reason why, the underlying reason why, because I talked about it in the podcast. And it's like, because the reason a Karen can call the police is because you're like that, da, 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 you know, I don't have melanin. And so they go into action and they do what they need to do. If I call the police, I'm probably going to be the one that's going to get shot. So as much as I was joking about being a Karen, like, nah, no. <laughs> and part of the reason I don't call the police or go so far is because I don't have those same protections and privileges. So, you know, it, it just... I don't think you can be a black Karen, um, but I, I do joke about it. Like I said, like, I mean, if you want, I will ask you, like, why are you in my neighborhood? I will, when I get in elevators with white people, I do clutch my purse. And, you know, <laughs> I just return the, the thing to them. But I will look at them suspicious, too. You know what I'm saying? And then they're so offended. But I think it's kind of funny. But, y'all, I listen. I am using the divine feminine, but I do have some petty ways about me too. Like, just give them a taste of their own medicine. So anyways, it says, as white women sit at the right hand of power, leaning in, not down. There have been 41 white female governors and two Latina and one South Asian governor, but not a single black female one. In fact, black women represent 4.5 of all female statewide elected officials. 21 of the 25 female U.S. senators are white and are the vast majority of female members of Congress. White women hold 4.4% of CEO positions, but black women hold 0.2%. Equal pay day. White feminists decry that women average 80% of man's salary, but really mention that the figure applies mostly to white women. Mm, girl. Latinas average 54 cents for every dollar. Black women average 68 cents. American Indian and Alaskan women make 58 cents. Okay. Far more concerning is the wealth gap. The wealth of white women swamps that of black women, regardless of age, marital status, or educational level. Yet rarely do white feminists take up the greater cause of black female inequity. 
White women are among the most vocal and vociferous opponents of affirmative action. Ooh, y'all, we're going to have to circle back to this. White women are among the most vocal and vociferous opponents of affirmative action, despite being equal, if not greater, beneficiaries. And I have seen this. I have seen this. Um, white women are the biggest benefactors of affirmative action. Um, like I said, I, I you know, I've, I've worked around these people. <laughs> I've seen how it works. It says, this is what black women know. When push comes to shove, white women choose race over gender every single time. And I talked about that in the last podcast too, like how you have other women calling melanin-rich women hyenas, monkeys. When you look at the um, how... Things come out with pay, right? Or um, affirmative action. They will choose race over gender every single time. It says that white women do not want to relinquish their spot on the second rung is to be expected. Power can seize nothing without a demand, wrote Frederick Douglass. Never has, never will. It's the pretense that's maddening. Every fall, I teach a survey class in African-American literature, an undertaking I consider one of the chief honors of my life. One of my favorite books to teach in this class is Harriet Jacobs' seminal slave narrative, Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl. Authenticated as the first book-length slave narrative written by a woman, Incidents in a Powerful and Compelling Examination of Slavery's Impact on Black Women and the Black Family. Slavery is terrible for men, but it is far more terrible for women. She writes in the narrative most famous line, the students nod. They with Jacobs as she details there with Jacobs as she details the physical, phys- psychological, and sexual terrorism of slavery. There with her as she asserts the resilience and importance of black kinship. They're definitely with her as she critiques the hypocritical Christianity of the South. But when Jacobs gets around, ooh, and this is so freaking true. And this has been my gripe, my axe to grind for real. When Jacob gets to criticizing white women, both Southern white women who turned a blind eye to or actively enabled their husband's rape and the basement of enslaved women and their Northern counterparts who, enraptured by the romantic myth of the wealthy Southern gentlemen, do the same some be- students begin to balk. And black women will do this too. They'll be like, well, white women were slaves too. And then all of a sudden it's black women's fault. But anyways, it says, whether without fail, at least one white woman will raise her hand, eyes determined, chin quivering. Yes, but all women were property back then. <laughs> or gender discrimination has always been a bigger problem than racism. Or, well, white women didn't have it much better than slaves which is simply untrue. Ooh, I find these moments revealing. The students face both um, intense and needy as she mounts her defense of white women's past. And black women do this for white women. I'm seeing it. You don't have to go too far <laughs> to, to, to find what I'm talking about. It says, if this student who is young, but neither thoughtless nor ill-informed, insist on believing that white women in 1850 were as oppressed as enslaved people if she cannot and will not acknowledge the power differentials that existed within a system of legal racialized slavery? How can she grapple honestly the power and balance of today? I am so clapping, applauding for this, y'all. Let's go. It says, and if she won't, how can she or her black classmates possibly be friends? 
Andre Lord asks, if white American feminist theory need not deal with the difference between us and the resulting difference in our oppressions, then how do we deal with the fact that the women who clean your houses and tend your children while you while you attend conferences on feminist theory are the most part, for the most part, poor women and women of color? What is the theory behind racist feminism? Aristotle defined friendship as reciprocated goodwill. What distinguishes friendships, he wrote, is the source of this goodwill. In friendships of pleasure or utility, the bond extends from the benefits we receive from the friendship, either pleasure or usefulness. But Aristotle considered friendships of virtue, in which each person values the other person for her own sake and supplies goodwill toward that person, even above her own interests, the perfect form of friendship. Friendships based on personhood endure as long as a person endures. The catch here is that to love someone simply because he of who she is is first see that person. Not a stereotype, not a fantasy, neither a chast- charity case nor an abstract threat, just a human being. There is where... This is where, between black women and white women, things get difficult. At the core level of vulnerability, so too friendship. To be vulnerable is to be human, and to be human is to be vulnerable, whether we like it or not. But the brutal truth is that many white women, like much of white women America in general, do not consider black women vulnerable which means they do not consider us to be fully human. And I talked about this in the last podcast, right? So this woman, she has really, oof, this is a powerful article, right? It's in the Washington Post. But remember I talked about how it was strange to me to hear one of the content creators that I used to listen to talk about like, oh, well, you know, um, black people are more racist to white people. And I feel so bad for them. It's like, I can say more, um, I get to say more racist stuff than white people. And it's like, and and she deliberately goes to, to say stuff that she knows she can get away with to support white people versus seeing that black people have a reason to call them out on their bullshit. So we're not seen as vulnerable. And the reason I'm saying it has to be like, if you peel back the layers, who are more likely to call people out on stuff? It's white women. White women within the last few years have been the uh, white women. Black women have been the ones that are more calling out like you can't be going around doing and saying racist stuff. But we're not viewed as vulnerable, right? It says to confirm this takes only a passing glance at pop culture depictions of black women, at the ugly debasing vitriol directed at Michelle Obama, at the ways in which black mothers mourning for their slain sons at the hands of police officers are dismissed and demeaned. Friendship is not possible between a human being and one who doubts her humanity. Whether that, ooh, ooh, ooh. she said friendship, but I'm going to say sisterhood. Is not possible between a human being and one who doubts her humanity. Whether that doubt is framed in terms of the angry black woman or just as damaging the black superwoman. At the last high school reunion I bothered to attend, I had a conversation with a classmate, a woman I had known not well, but not well. She began the ritual remembrance of intimidating teachers and painful heartbreaks, blistering self-consciousness and bewildering adolescence, intensified by being at one of the nation's top boarding schools. I said something on the lines like, yeah, we all pretty much were scared shitless. She said, not you. You were always so strong and confident. 
That would have been laughable if it weren't also revealing and sad. I was a poor black girl who had been plucked from a bunch of Memphis public schools and shipped unwilling and terrified off to New Hampshire to diversify the prep school or at least put up a good front. I was overwhelmed, terrified, and alone. But this chick saw me as strong and confident, which would be forgivable except for the fact that 25 years later, when I tried to correct her impression, she still refused to hear. For women, the need and desire to nurture each other is not pathological but redemptive, Lord wrote, and it is within that knowledge that our real power is rediscovered. The key word here are each other. White women must not only expect nurturing, but also must nurture in return. And that's why I talk about unrequited love, right? And I also like how they use that word up here, invisible. And I don't know that it's even so much invisible. Like I said, like they're just kind of incapable of seeing you as being vulnerable, which not only is human, but part of being woman, right? So I just, this is so powerful. The author of this, I think I read her name, but if I didn't, I'll read it again. It's, um yeah, Kim McLaren, y'all. Powerful article, very well written out in the Washington Post. Um. Yeah. And again, it's moments like this where with everything that's happening in the background, it can be really frustrating. And I know what I'm trying to say and articulate and somebody already has the framework or kind of adding like you're not alone, like validating that, you know, those conversations. Because sometimes I really do feel like black women, like melanated women, we just melanin rich women, we stay getting gaslighted. We've been been getting gaslighted for so long and I'm glad that we're calling stuff out. And if that makes us racist, although, like I said, like even with the whole Karen thing, I don't believe that black people can be racist. I've said it before and I'll say it again. For you to be racist, you have to have an infrastructure that you can lean on or rely on. Me, you know, um, yeah. I just, I'm going to drink some water. All right, I'll talk to y'all later. Bye.